We're reading from verses 1 to 16. One one eight five page. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Therefore prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is his word. Morning, everyone. Let's pray. Our gracious Father and our God, we thank you that uh, we're here. We pray that you would help us as we turn to your word. Help us to hear what you would ask us to hear, hear and change and be shaped by your word for your glory of your son and keep me from error, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, morning, and uh, we're starting a new series today on 1 Peter. Today's sermon is called Called to be Aliens. If you want to find what 1 Peter is all about, you're best to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and you'll find that in verses 11 to 12. It's a summary, pretty much, of what 1 Peter is 
is all about. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. God's people are called to embrace who we are in Christ and live it out in our world. Today, I hope you'll know that you have a special love in the heart of Jesus. That's a bit soppy, isn't it? Chosen by God, this eternal hope will be the way you live your life. Firstly, you are chosen aliens. Peter is an apostle of Jesus, so he is someone to be listened to. He writes with an authority. It's writing, he is writing to all God's people, as he calls them, to God's chosen people, aliens in the world. Uh, NIV has strangers or exiles. I liked the word aliens from chapter 2 best, so I used that there. Uh, it's got nothing to do with me liking alien movies or liking Alien versus Predator, which I know is Caleb's favourite movie of all time. Nothing to do with that at all. It just means that we are people who are gods and gods alone. Unlike our world, we belong to him. That's the reason why I chose it. Nothing to do with Caleb and his alien versus predator thing. These chosen people, these believers, are scattered in Asia. But when you hear the word Asia, this is not the Asia they mean. They mean the region that is basically known today as Turkey. Turkey. The Christian people write to Peter writes who are called the elect. And there's an old saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You ever heard of that one? God is not like that. He's the exception to that rule. God has chosen his family. This is a Presbyterian's favourite verse where we start talking about God's chosen thing. And we are totally obsessed with election and predestination. But what does it mean to be elect? What does it mean to be chosen? What does it mean to be called? It's about God, simple as that. It means God has brought you into his very presence, brought you into his kingdom, and he holds you there. Chosen means you are chosen from a group that some aren't chosen. That's what that word always means. Israel was called out of the nations around them. Abraham, as we read before, was called by God. His whole family, his whole way of life was multiple gods. Yet God called him out of that, called Abram, and made him a new person in Abraham. It is God who initiates the relationship, not the other way around. When Jesus speaks in Luke 14 about the inviting people to the great banquet, it is God who does the inviting. When guests won't come, it is God, the master in that story, go out 
and grab anyone from the streets and the alleys, towns, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And then he says, uh, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house is full. It's that uncomfortable truth that it's about God, not us. God's chosen, not the elect. Have nothing to boast in. It's one of the important truths of that doctrine. It's all about God, not about you. God brings us in. It's God's work and his alone. I hate correcting the Bible in front of you. I hate mucking around with that. But every now and then you've got to do with it. And right here is one of those times. The NIV messes it up. So does the AV. So does the NASB. When it makes foreknowledge as though it refers to chosen. What do I mean? that the foreknowledge of God in this passage does not, do not relate to God knew what you would be like before the, and so he chose you. He knew that Bill was a great guy, and so Bill's a great guy, I'll bring him to me. That's not what this is saying. Rather, God's foreknowledge is talking about what they're going through. God knows what these people are going through. There's lots of Hard times here for the people that Peter writes to. He knows that. That's what that's referring to. It's wrong to suggest, as I said, that God looked down through history before he created the world and then chose people, chose you. There is no merit there. I'm sorry. There are some great people. I'm looking at some great people right now. I'm not looking really over here too much. But we're looking at some great people. That's not why God chose you. God chose you freely. God chose you without merit. We have nothing to boast before God. No reason God chose Keith. You know that anyway. It's his choice and his alone. God knows what these people go through. He knows their daily struggles and it's he cares for them. But unfortunately, there's another problem here. Because the NIV and the people who translated had to make decisions, they made that decision. Let's connect the foreknowledge with election. They also connected, made it look like they connected the sanctifying work to that as well of the spirit. But according to the BAK version, have you heard of that one? The BAK, the Bible according to Keith. No, uh, this just means <laughs> that in God's foreknowledge, as I said before, uh, these people's situation is known by God. The sanctifying work of the idea of the spirit has nothing to do with why, what God is doing when he chooses. As God has chosen us, it's his choice and his alone. And once he has chosen us, Peter is just addressing the simple fact that though these people feel alone, they, they feel persecuted, under suffering, they are known by God. It's that great truth that when you are alone, you can always rely that God loves you 
because he chose you and he chose you before all things. It was his choice and his choice alone. And nothing that you do can break that choice. God's love and his call, as we say, is irrevocable. That choice means in verse 15 to 16, you are called to be holy, that is pure, to honour God in your conduct and behaviour. It's chapter 2, verse 9, it means you're to proclaim the praises of our God amongst where you are, the people. And in chapter 20, uh, sorry, verse 21 of chapter 2, we endure unjust suffering, etc., etc. That is us, God's alien chosen people. Secondly, the hope of aliens is in verse 3. Our hope is living, a very interesting term. What is our hope? It is a living hope. It's alive. It's alive in us. It's alive into the future. What does it mean if I say I'd like to hope for something? Yes? It sounds like a wish, doesn't it? I, I hope for something. Yes, and, and if I say I wish, how certain is that? It's a bit, you know, it's a bit, it's, you know, it's a bit like I hope and wish that Keith would give a good sermon today. You never know, Bill. this hope is certain this hope we're told is secure this hope our inheritance can never perish spoil or fade it is kept for us Uh, i can remember waiting for a banana cake my first wife made me a banana cake. Julie made me the cake, and I loved that banana cake. It was her mother's recipe. She didn't usually make it. My wife was a home economist. She could cook the pants off anyone. Not that that happened. (laughs) She cooked it, and I was waiting for it because it was her mum's banana cake. I loved her mum's banana cake. I still do. But before I could get to that cake, despite me living in a two-storey, on the second storey of a unit block, which actually was the third storey because there was garages and then two, we were up there. Despite that, before I could get to it, I took the cover off the cake and what was there? Ants. Ants all over that cake. I've never got over it. There it was. I was looking forward to it. I couldn't believe it. It was all mine. There was no one else there. Julie would have hardly eaten anything. It would have been all my cake. But it was gone. The ants took it. I can remember being so disappointed That hope was dashed. That hope wasn't secure. The ant struck and my banana cake was gone. Now, that's a stupid example, isn't it? But that's what our world's like, isn't it? Things perish, 
spoil, fade, get old, break, or they get taken by ants. Peter says, our hope is not like that. It is certain. It's secure. My cake wasn't secure. I thought the lid was on properly. It didn't matter how good the lid was. Our hope is kept securely for us, kept in heaven. And that word kept is an important word. It's we're doing a lot of Greek today. It's ridiculous. It's uh, kept is in that tense that means something happened in the past that completed it. And it's still affecting us right now and into the future. It's hard to explain that because English doesn't have that text, that tense, that way of speaking. But Greek does. It means Jesus' death on the cross was finished. And we still live in the light and hope and love of that promise of the cross. That great glory is still shining upon us and we bake in it today and into the future. It is a living hope. Though it has been done, it still endures and we live and walk in it. This hope will be fully revealed at the coming of Jesus. It might not all be plain and visible now, but then when every eye will see and every tongue confess, it will be known. It's interesting, isn't it? Because that's the hope in verse 10, the prophets long to know. Long to know. They searched intently for what the spirit of Christ pointed them to. And we know it. It's a strange sentence that they were serving you, serving me serving all those who were in the spirit of Christ. They long to know. In, indeed, this phrase is the angels long to know. Interesting sentence, isn't it? That God's eternal plan with you and I, a part of it, how that would come to fruition and fulfilment in Jesus even the angels long to know. That hope is known by you, by me, by us, and declared by Peter that it's living and working in us now and will continue until we see the glory that is revealed in Jesus at, the, at his coming. God chose a people and made them. The promises to Abraham had started, halted, failed, but then are fulfilled in the person of Jesus. In the coming of Jesus, these things, these hopes and promises are fulfilled. This is our hope. It is living and active and effective for us. Jesus brings us into his kingdom. Third, what If we have the hope and we are God's people as aliens, what are the minds of aliens? How are we to think? Some people think today that you shouldn't let your minds get in the way. Clear thinking 
is something of the past for some people. Peter thinks quite differently in light of the fact that we have information that even the angels long to look into how we to live. Well, verse 2, if you go back there, you find the original idea. The Spirit is doing his work in our lives that we live obediently to this Lord Jesus. And then verse 13, which has got that important word, therefore, which is a conclusion, here are the consequences. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Being self-controlled is very important, but we also need to be prepared for action. God has brought us into a secure place in himself. Once we are here, because he has loved us from all eternity, saved us in Jesus, how are we to live? It's an important question, one that people have always wondered and argued about. Jesus has done this for us, how are we to live in this safety and newness of life? Well, we're to do it clearly and be put our minds to the task, be determined, self-controlled, prepare your minds for action. If you're going to do the right thing, if you're going to live God's way, if you're going to live holy and obedient lives, you must have your mind engaged. It doesn't just come about. It's actually about thinking about what are we doing? How are we going to do it? What do we don't do? You must prepare your minds for action. That action involves being self-controlled. We are to set Jesus as the aim of our lives. He has brought us into a new life, and so we are to live God's glorifying life. Remember, he has loved us from all creation. He has saved us in Jesus, and now that we have the promises of God poured out upon us in his spirit, we are now to live with him our Lord Jesus, honouring him, obedient to him, loving him and loving those he sends to us with a hope that navigates us. This hope is in Jesus. This hope is secure. And think about the situation these people are in. It's very uncertain. But one of the things you get from the first 16 verses of 1 Peter 1 is great certainty, certain of God's love, certain of God's saving work in Jesus, certain of him being with you now by, the, by his spirit, certain that as you live and determine to set your lives in obedience to him, he is with you certain that he will always be with you because he has always loved you and chose you and saved you and been with you and will be with you always. This living hope of certainty dominates their lives, dominates them 
And so they are, their minds will be determined and filled, verse 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Inexpressible and glorious joy. What a marvellous phrase. When we think about God's great plan of salvation, and out of all that, he chose you. What a wonder. How can you not be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy? We were here summarising we are chosen to be his. We are aliens in a sec. We are elect. The comfort that that brings to us is amazing because God has us. Not about me, it's about him. Our hope is living. It's secured for us on the cross, on the cross, and it will always follow us wherever we go into our glorious future, into the hope of eternity. And our minds, determined as aliens, informed by knowing the joy of the Lord that is poured into our hearts, that inexpressible and glorious joy. We live, we obey, and we have a great hope. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have poured out upon us such an inexpressible and glorious joy. We give you thanks and praise that in you we have a great and living hope. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Help us to live more like your people. Help us to be obedient. Help us to be people who bring glory to you and to your name. Please help us to live in a way that others see the difference. Please help us to be determined to be obedient despite what goes on. Help us to know that because of your choice, your election, of us, we are always yours, that we can come, we can be forgiven, we can be cleansed, and we can live in the joy of your truth and love by the power of your spirit. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.